0: Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Xenia. And we're the co-founders of Leone, a virtual skincare consultancy designed to help you understand your skin and what products to buy.
1: This is our podcast, The Skin Interview, bringing you open, honest conversations around the noisy skincare industry.
0: Want the lowdown on current skincare hot topics and key products to look out for?
1: Each week, we interview industry brand authorities, personalities, and some of our go-to skin gurus covering the topics that really matter.
0: Hello, Xenia. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. I just made a really tasty lunch from Mindful Chef.
1: Mm. And
0: I set the fire alarm off three times. Oh my god. While I did it. <laughs>
1: exactly at my exactly the same as at my house, right? Every time I try to cook for everyone at my house and invite my friends, the alarm just rings every two minutes, I think, when there's something hot in the oven.
0: But I'm not even I really like I've gotten much better with my cooking and I'm really not burning anything, but the I'm not burning anything doesn't.
1: also. What do you say? <laughs> what are you trying to <laughs> say, Megan?
0: No, you're the best. <laughs> you're actually a good chef, though. So people wouldn't think that you're burning things. People think that I'm burning things because they feel like I can't cook. But I I was not. It was just I was cooking this like ground beef thing. Anyways, that's how my day's going.
1: I think it's our alarms are super sensitive. That's why.
0: I know they are. But I, I set it off all the time. Every time I cook, I set it off. It's horrible when you have people over.
1: And Meg's mindful chef is something that you recommend also in, in the consultations, right?
0: I recommend it all the time. And it's not, I don't get a cut from it or anything. <laughs> I have no affiliation to them whatsoever, but I'm obsessed with it. And actually one of my clients, she, um, she started doing it because she was like, oh, I, I just have trouble being creative with what I cook and she's obsessed with it. And also it like is really healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's no dairy or anything. Sometimes I add feta cheese to it because feta is my favorite, but Yeah, there's no dairy or anything. It's like actually really healthy. Sorry, I look a little bit like um, a poodle today. (laughs) No, it's fine.
1: Me too. I look like a poodle. But your hair, how
0: are you? You you just told me that your hair's gone curly now. It looks a bit curly.
1: No, but um, then I remember that every time I go to sleep with my, uh, you know, a little bread. Do you say bread? No. Uh, Bread.
0: A bread? No.
1: (laughs) A braid. (laughs) braid. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, A braid? A braid. I can't believe I can't say I, I can't believe that still now there's other words like I can't say it in English,
0: it kills me. <laughs> but Harold, so Harold's Harold husband, me. he thinks it's cute. Yeah, which I so he doesn't, cute, he doesn't correct me. He never corrects. <laughs> he's me. He's like, oh, you're bread. Oh, that's so funny. Ha ha ha. And then he's like, can um, you repeat? But you please? think it's because of the the hormones? Can we get an update? How how big is the baby today?
1: The baby? Let me see. How big is the baby today? Oh, my baby is not as exciting as last week. Last week it was an avocado. Now it's a large onion bag. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so random. But I feel like is an onion bigger than an avocado? I think so, yeah. Maybe it's a baby avocado before. It
1: depends on the avocado okay, you fine. choose.
0: I feel like the ones in America are huge, the avocados. It's like yeah, it, a doesn't, it baby. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> everything, everything is bigger. huge. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But what have you been doing? I, do you know what? This weather, I have been feeling a bit down. I'll be totally honest with you. This weather is
1: like. Me too. Killing completely me too. I'm down. I'm completely down. Yeah. But, but you,
0: ha- you have an excuse because of your hormones. What's my excuse?
1: No, you know what? It's not. No, I still feel the impact of the weather. Um, but I have to say, like, they said that it would be raining every day. And I was quite surprised. We did have like a little bit of sun here and there. No, not you?
0: Yeah, it's been, it has been, but last night, so I went for dinner in Notting Hill last night and we, thankfully, were sitting under like a cover because it started hailing, fully hailing.
1: <sighs> I know, that's what happened to me and Maurice Megs, it was horrible. Oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I went Maurice to the park. Maurice does not seem like the kind of guy that would no, like that no, weather. He really didn't like it. Like, we went to the park, it was Maurice so sunny. Maurice Xenia's dog. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, just in case. But we went to the park. It was super sunny. He was playing. Like, really, like, it was sunny, you know? Like, I had a light jacket, etc. And then it started. And I could see, you know, the sky turning gray. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And already I really know that when it's raining, it's impossible for him to move. So I was like, okay, Marie, let's go home. Let's go home. And then it just started. But, like, as if it was, like, I don't know, the apocalypse, you know? And I was like, Oh, Maurice run. And everyone was looking at me, like laughing so much because Maurice wouldn't like, would just stop, you know, and stay there, frozen. And I was like, No, please, come, Maurice! Like it's the end of the world. And he's big now,
0: so you really probably couldn't carry him all the way home. I can't. When I when I would dog sit when he was little, I could carry him, but not anymore.
1: Max, I just can't. Sometimes now he does this, and it really annoys me. He just lies down in the grass in the park and looks at me, and he's like, "I'm not moving," and I just have to wait. (laughs) And you, Megs, I feel like you have a more exciting life than me, to be honest. You
0: had a lot of dates this week. I did. Yeah. So I, I've had dates, but I think that's why I'm get. I think it's what's getting me down. It's just, I think like it's, it's exhausting. And right now it's not as much fun to date because there's not this like buzzy environment, you know? So I think for, for the single people out there, they'll understand that it's just a bit like, you know, monotonous, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it's fine.
1: And it's the transition between winter to summer. Like, it's still a bit cold to stay, you know, like, at night outside for, like, two, three hours. We tried it no, it's, last week. We were about to... No, eat, like, it's too froze. cold,
0: yeah. honestly. And you're you're out there, like, trying to be okay, and you're shivering. You're like, yeah, I'm not that oh, cold. I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, I'm chill. I'm so chill. I can sit outdoors. And you're, by the time I got home last night, I was frozen to the bone. My feet, like wouldn't warm up I was like I think I'm gonna have to run these under hot water or something because it's so cold but no I think yeah it is it is dating is hard you know but you just have to to keep going and I just can't
1: can't believe you know because I really like with everything that happened I have so much um empathy towards everyone who's single because I don't know how everything went you know during the past two years and I see it like with you and also with other friends it's super difficult. I think it's super difficult. Even like being yeah. in a couple, like of course it's it's different, but s- still like you don't see anyone else. You know when you live with someone, you're still limited to no. the number of people you can see, etc. So it's already like like you really feel it. But I can't believe how how it must be. You know, if you are looking to date,
0: it is so hard right now. I think, and also with the num- with the rule of six, I think everyone just kind of wants wants to see their friends. Um, And so there isn't much mingle. I mean, you're not really allowed to mingle, are you, if you go out? Um, And also like with six, it's like, you know, you're there with all of your couple friends, which is totally fine. But I think that it just is different. Um, But no, I'm I'm doing last week, actually, we had the uh, podcast with Sarah Coonan and we were talking actually about like different beauty trends and wellness trends. And one thing is like it's beauty is now like very holistic and so things that I'm doing to just like cheer myself up I have all this incense that I'm burning like lots of candles and like doing a lot of self-care because I think if anyone else is feeling a bit run down by the whole dating thing I think that you just have to take time like take a little break focus on yourself do your little rituals my morning routine which is going well although I am exhausted Um, I'm still waking up at 6.45 I can
1: tell that I can tell that you're
0: a bit tired. I'm so tired. You can see my eyes. I'm like, mm, so tired. Um, but no, I think it's it's really good. And I, I mean, I was totally influenced by some of the things that she was saying because I went and bought like all these different candles that we talked about in the podcast last week. So if you guys missed it, you should go and listen because she had some great tips. But then what do we have in store this week in the podcast? So this week
1: we had one of I would say a brand that I always admired, Codex. So I was super happy to do the podcast with Dr. Barbara Baldus, who is the founder of the brand Codex. It was very interesting because Codex is a brand that is very driven by sustainability. Like everything is well well thought uh, from manufa- like their ingredients, that from the ingredients that they use in their products uh, to the way that they actually present the products or the packaging, etc. Um, and... What I love about them is that, you know, it's just different from other brands that you see sometimes, like only 10% of the actual brand is sustainable, but they do push, you know, the, the word sustainable, like out and about in the marketing, etc. So that was, it was yeah, good to Yeah, you hear
0: something. about the 10% that they're yeah. doing, but it's like, that's only, yeah, exactly. So this is like very much thought from start to finish. And it's really, I think, in their core, core ethos, which is really great. Um, it is. It's, it's what we like to see.
1: It is, and uh, the way you know they they the way they use ingredients, etc. Like we all talked about that during the podcast, which is very interesting. Um, and I truly believe that if you want to be uh, a sustainable brand and really call yourself being sustainable, really like describe yourself as being sustainable, um, she's uh, she developed an incredible an incredible brand, and she's a, 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 an amazing source of inspiration. And something that she mentioned too is that Codex uh, wants to be uh, zero carbon foot have a zero carbon footprint by two thousand twenty five, um, and I think it's really rare. That's to- coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. It's, it's coming up. <gasps> We're I didn't realize- in twenty twenty one. I didn't realize. Oh my god! I was like, oh yeah, that's amazing. But actually, it's yeah, I mean, in it's the like future. year. Like,
0: yeah, not even four. Oh my god!
1: But but you know what I liked is that she was completely open with that, and she said, you know, we might not get there. But if we don't get there, we want to explain what happened. And we're going to be very transparent with that so that future brands, you know, learn from our mistakes too. And I really love that approach. And I think it's so important because that's how you, um, you make sure basically that you take other people and other brands on the same journey as you, like towards sustainability. So it was very interesting to speak to her, uh, and I think she's ex- incredibly knowledgeable. Like, it was very, I don't know, I I love just by the conversation. You came off them.
0: of the call, I you messaged me just after the call, and you said, like, guys, this one was incredible. So we have a very special gift for you guys, our listeners. Um, for your first holistic skin session with our skin mentors, you can get 15% off by using the code THESKINTERVIEW15. So if you are a new client, use that code upon checkout and you'll get a really nice discount.
1: Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and don't forget also to send us any question or any feedback that you have on our episodes. We love to receive them.
0: Yes, please. And enjoy.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Xenia, the co-founder of Lian, and welcome to our podcast, The Skin Interview. I'm very pleased to have here today with me, Dr. Barbara Paldes, founder of the brand Codex. And in this episode, skincare that doesn't cost the earth, we are going to discuss the importance of sustainability in skincare, specifically why brands must set up specific goals in order to ensure that we are making an impact. So let's talk about sustainability. It is a word that it seems we can go a day without hearing or thinking about, and for good reason. The beauty industry single-handedly produces 120 billion units of packaging each year, insists to be one staggering statistic after another, and it's no longer acceptable just to want to do something, we need to do something. And when you know that 99% of beauty packaging is thrown away after one use, we understand the urgency in developing and supporting sustainable brands. The great news is that 88% of consumers want brands to help them live sustainably. But unfortunately, sustainability has now become also a trend, and don't think for a second that big brand marketers aren't going to play into that. Despite good intention, not everything is always as it seems. For this reason, we are so thrilled to have Dr. Barbara Paldas, who has created a leading sustainable brand that doesn't compromise on results, which we'll get to a bit later when introducing the products. Barbara, I would love for you to introduce yourself as well as Codex for our listeners who may not be familiar with the brand just yet.
2: It's a real pleasure to be on your podcast, Xenia. So Codex Beauty is my third startup. I'm actually an electrical engineer, got my degree at Stanford over 20 years ago, Um, love innovation, and prior to Codex, spent two decades in analytical chemistry, telecommunications, and biotechnology. Um, By the time I was 34, I had founded two Silicon Valley companies, one of which, called Bacaro, paved the way for carbon cycle and natural gas monitoring, so today is used for looking at climate change as well as uh, Finesse Solutions, which I sold to Thermo Fisher in 2017 that made equipment for making accessible vaccine and cancer therapeutic manufacturing. And in fact, the Pfizer and the J&J vaccines are made in my equipment today. So that's kind of my biggest accomplishment so far. Codex Beauty was started in about three years ago, and our goal is really to bring data, science, and transparency to skincare because over the last five years, the clean movement has all but destroyed science. And we've discovered many practices in the skincare industry, whether that was ingredient sourcing or quality practices, that we basically really wanted to hit zero and bring data into the equation. And so We leverage biotechnology in many aspects of our business. Um, We're also completely obsessed with sustainability. And what's great is that all of my prior experiences are now kind of converging into the clinical studies, the biotech sourcing and sustainability at Kodak. So all the pieces have finally come together.
1: That's incredible. And first, I wanted to say thank you for saving the world (laughs) because without, you know, like no vaccination, nothing, no pubs, no restaurants. So (laughs) we're getting there um i uh i think that your your path um with everything that you've done so far is super interesting and now i get why um you know your brand is referred as plant-powered biotech beauty um and i would love to delve a bit more into that uh and get to know uh more about what it what is actually biotech beauty and how is it results driven uh just to understand a bit more
2: Absolutely. So biotechnology, um, for people who don't know what it is, is a very broad area of biology. And we use living systems and organisms to develop or make products. Um, You can think of beer as a biotech product, too, because we use yeast in order to make alcohol or lactic acid. And so depending on the tools or the applications, um, there's a lot of overlap between biotechnology and other related fields. So in essence, then, plant-powered biotech means that we use plant cells. So we harness the cellular and the biomolecular processes that are based on plants to develop technologies, specifically ingredients, um, to put into products that can improve our skin, um, but not destroy the health of our planet, which is very, very key to me. So our results-driven approach is covers pretty much every aspect, from how we develop products, how we test them, how we manufacture them. We have people from biotechnology. We have people from ethnobotany. So these are people who allow us to discover medicinal plants from all over the world and understand their benefits as they're used by the indigenous peoples. We have plant biologists who help us understand the plant chemistry and what we basically need in terms of the bioactives. Screening by geneticists of the plant bioactives on skin cells allows us to understand the mechanism of action for the formulation. The cosmetic chemist is the expert on how to put them together, and create synergy in the formulation, and also maximize the potency in the delivery system. And then we manufacture as many of the ingredients as we can with biotechnology for sustainability reasons, um, and also because they're more potent. And finally, we test everything in a clinical setting. So we do efficacy testing in vivo, so in real people with human efficacy studies, and then we publish that on our packaging. So to me, that's actually key. Because without those results, how do people know the products actually do something and work?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. So it is a little bit like a balance between product performance and source of the product, right?
2: Exactly. Um, Exactly. And cost. Obviously, you know, you can make an incredible product, but if it's $2,000 to make for a little batch, nobody's going to buy it. So there's trade-offs.
1: Yeah, and I think the key is that it is truly sustainable in a way. Because if you think about it, plant, plant-based products, they may be biodegradable, but harvesting them is leading, for example, to widespread deforestation. So it's a way also to preserve the different things around us. Exactly.
2: And that's the beauty about biotechnology, because you can create um, very concentrated ingredients in very small amounts of base. And so because the ingredient itself is developed already with a functionality in mind, it's optimized for the performance. So you don't need as much of it. So that's the first piece. And then because the materials are manufactured using things like bacteria, yeast, algae, microbes, or plant cells at the industrial scale, you basically can produce in like a thousand liter container, um, more, more ingredient than you can probably use in a year. Um, in addition, the manufacturing process is a well-known biotech process. So it's science. It's not guesswork. So you get a good yield. And really, at the end of the day, you know, why is it more sustainable? The production is more concentrated. So you use less water, less energy, way less space, and you don't have to deforest anything. And what you produce is more potent. So you don't need as much of it. And so um, a good example, for example, that we use is Genomatica's Brontide Natural Butylene Glycol. Um, It's made from renewable corn and wheat sugar that are fermented um, into the butylene glycol, which is a typical, you know, cosmetic additive, but the carbon footprint is 50% smaller than a conventional process. So that's how, you know, if in every ingredient you can start saving, then it adds up.
1: Yeah, completely. And when you say that you use, you know, the, the, you really make sure that the potency of the product is right. Um, you know, there's one thing we noticed for our consultation with our clients is that many of them, um, they are afraid of using natural products because they have, for example, a very sensitive skin. So it might, you know, trigger some sensitivity. Is it, can we say in a way that those products are more stable? So a lot of,
2: yeah, a lot of natural products use essential oils and there's a lot of allergies. To essential oils, and so if you want to make a product for sensitive skin, you have to forego um, a lot of those essential oils. Some people also have allergies to preservatives that are in the products, and that's actually where you know again we we ended up looking for preservatives that were not based on fossil fuels. And the majority of preservatives actually are. So we ended up creating our own preservative system. We also, as you know, I wanted these products to be able to be used on children, like the superfood I wanted to be used on people, you know, from the age of, you know, one month to 101, um, we wanted something that was food grade. And so we ended up actually with ferments. And so the preservation system is made entirely of food grade ferments and organic acids. So things you would find in food. That, that we've eaten for you know hundreds, if not thousands of years. And what's interesting is that the three ferments that we use, so specifically um, it's a lactobacillus ferment, then there's a lactobacillus ferment of coconut, and the propane dial, which is made from fermented corn, they're manufactured, again, using biotech processes because it's way more sustainable and way more efficient. Um, the organic acids are basically manufactured using a standard chemical process. And so there was a balance. You know, here, for example, on the preservation system, going back to these kind of irritations and sensitivities, because they can also happen when you strip your microbiome from your skin barrier. So your skin barrier is typically made up of like an acid, your microbiome, an acid mantle, and then a lipid layer. So basically oily layer, um, which your skin produces that feeds the microbiome. So you kind of need both. And then you have your brick and mortar model of your cells. And, you know, they're filled in between with, with sebum. Um, and so a lot of products will, even natural products can strip that microbiome away. And that leads to some of that irritation. And so when the preservation system, you have to achieve a balance, right? So you have to protect the product from getting contaminated and having other bacteria make your product unsafe, but you don't want to kill the microbiome. So whatever you're using, you know, you have to balance it. And that's how we ended up you know, with a patentable preservation system that's that makes the product safe from contamination, but doesn't hurt the natural microbiome. And that's where I would also recommend if people have sensitive skin, they see if the product is my microbiome certified. Um, it's a certification that started in Germany. Um, And they they evaluate the product on the effect on the microbiome on things like diversity, making sure you don't kill off some of the types of bacteria, but not the others. Because again, you want to keep a balance there that you don't kill them off in general. Um, They look at contact, non-contact of the product. So they put the product through different in vitro testing to basically see if it is going to affect your microbiome.
1: Very interesting. So can we say that biotech, like basically biotech, it's like a technology that can make our natural ingredients better, last for longer, and be in a way more efficient, and of course, beneficial for the planet. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. And I would love now now to talk a little bit more about the products. Um, so I was very lucky to receive some of the key products that you have at the moment. So I have the range from Antu. So, both must like the night, the night must and also the day must but also the serum, which is going out today. Um, but before that, uh, I would love to know a bit more about the, the, the formulation of the product themselves. Um, and to see if there's anything, you know, that um, makes it more unique and more different from others. Because I think that with the technology that you have, um, Yeah, it would be interesting to discuss more in depth about the the formulation that you have in this range, for example.
2: Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, we're super excited that we're launching the Ontu Serum today on our website. And it will be actually at Cult Beauty exclusively for a month, I think, starting May 8th or 9th. So super excited about that, too. Um, So the Ontu collection was basically... Uh, developed to focus, protect, and restore and strengthen your skin barrier. Because the skin barrier, it's a 10 to 20 micron layer. So you can think of it as about um, one third to one sixth, the size of a human hair. Okay. So human hair already is very thin. This is about one third, to one sixth thinner. And that's what covers your entire body surface. And that is what keeps pollution out of our bodies. It's what keeps bacteria and viruses out of our bodies. And it's what keeps the moisture inside our bodies because without moisture, um, when we dehydrate, um, it can lead to all kinds of very bad things happening down to severe dehydration can lead to death. And so the skin barrier gets all these assaults. Um, You can think of it as UV exposure, pollution, um, stressors. And so you create a lot of oxidative stress. And the sum total of that is called the Exposome. Um, And this onto collection is focused entirely on managing and reducing this reactive oxidative stress, soothing irritation, reducing any nascent inflammation that you might have in the skin, and on restoring it to basically its original strong self. So that's what the collection um, is focused on. The key in all of the products... Um, is the onto complex. And the onto complex uh, builds on three key Patagonian plants that have been known by the Mapuche Indians um, down in Patagonia for their ability to soothe irritation and reduce inflammation. So the three plants are matico, which has Powerful antioxidants like flavonoids, that is great for soothing irritated skin. Maqui, which was traditionally used for many, you know, hundreds of years to treat inflammation. It has polyphenols and anthocyanins, which really also help boost sun protection. And they can even inhibit UVB, you know, kind of the UV-induced cell damage. So that's amazing for, you know, cell damage and UV damage. And then morthia. Um, was also traditionally used to treat inflammation, and it also has polyphenols like flavanols. So you have your flavonoids, your anthocyanins, and your flavanols, which are also antioxidants. And you can think of this as a very powerful combination comparable to vitamin C, but that is very stable in formulation. So the delivery, you get the maximum effectiveness. Like we were talking about these ingredients that kind of, if you have degraded vitamin C, it won't do very much for you. Whereas with these three antioxidants, they are very powerful. And we combine them with hydrolyzed hyaluronic acid, because we've learned that if your skin is dehydrated... You can throw as many antioxidants at it as you want, and they won't help. You need to first hydrate and prime the skin with retaining moisture, and hyaluronic acid is fantastic for doing that. So that's the complex. That's in the moisturizer and the night cream and the serum. And then uh, the moisturizer does have some additional daytime protection. So there's a plant called box bean. Um, that contains this antidamide um, <laughs> A. It's another inflammation inhibitor, but also it can act as a UV absorber. And the face in it is a free radical scavenger. So that is excellent, basically, for protecting against UV. Um, other things that are found in the moisturizer, for example, um, are kamapu, uh, which helps protect against infrared damage. So we talked about UV, and this is the Infrared and it also helps alleviate redness and discomfort. Murumuru uh, butter, which helps restore the skin moisture and creates a protective film. So again, you want to once you moisturize, you want to lock that moisture in at the top. And then we just talked about entodyne. So that's kind of that product. So it's a great, very light cream to put on in the morning. Um, just very simple to use, you know, gentle massaging motion for all skin types. Um, my favorite product though that you mentioned is the serum. And the serum um, that we just launched um, has a lot of amazing um clinical properties to it. So, um, for example, it has an addition hibiscus. Hibiscus is fantastic at helping relax and smoothing the expression lines. And it also has cherimoya, another South American plant that soothes calms and is really good for rebalancing the skin. And so the serum is actually what you would put on first after washing your face. Then you would put on the moisturizer. But from a clinical perspective, the serum is probably our strongest product so far in the sense that it hydrates. Um, it had it produced the biggest decrease in transepidermal water loss. Um, of all the products in like 97% of our subjects. Um, It decreased skin flakiness. So that's basically dry skin and um, turnover. Um, But more importantly, it increased firmness as well as it re-densified. So, and there was an increase in collagen density after four weeks in the majority of our test subjects as well. So it is an amazing kind of firming, plumping, making the skin softer, more supple um, kind of product.
1: Amazing. And I really love the mix of antioxidants that you use in your in your day moisturizer. Because I feel like today, um, you know, vitamin C is so, uh, I don't know how to explain, has so much popularity everywhere. You know, everyone is talking about vitamin C as the antioxidant that you should be using, you know, every day in your day moisturizer in your serum like you have to get the vitamin C but it's true that you have so many other amazing antioxidants and when you put them all together like when you select the right uh, antioxidants and and really um put them together they will protect your skin in different ways too which is very interesting um and i think that's that's so important yeah
2: think of it as a tapestry versus a bullet <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly that's a
1: really good example and also, uh, it's good, you know, like we, we tend to forget that certain ingredients apart from sunscreen can also provide you some UV protection, uh, from different lights also. Um, and I think that with the, this era, you know, where we spend most of our time inside, I hope, I hope that that will change soon, you know, but it's true that we spend a lot of time inside and we tend to forget that we also have, like we also need that level of protection, even being indoors. Um, and I think that's great to have also those d- different uh, UV protector, uh, you know, in a in a powerful moisturizer. I think that's very important. It's something that people often uh, forget, you know, or don't know about because we we always focus on sunscreen, but we tend to forget, you know, other ingredients can also that can also provide a protection on your skin.
2: Absolutely, and I'm not just just to be clear, you know, I am fully advocating once you put the moisturizer on, putting on an yes. SPF. I am totally, yes, totally, yes, yes. we don't have an SPF. I agree with you. <laughs> we're, we're working on an SPF and that's actually an incredibly difficult thing because we want to actually see if we can introduce some new types of SPF plant-based um, materials and ingredients um, in addition to, we're we're big believers in the zinc oxide approach, but um, yeah, we've been reading the literature and kind of the recent issues with SPFs and companies with SPFs. So we just want to do it right. We want to take our time and do it right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, of course. But I mean that, you know, with those ingredients, you have this little boosters also in your skin. And I completely agree with you, like we are sunscreen advocates, like you always should be using a sunscreen, but it's still good to know that in certain ingredients, you know, you you can have this added benefit too, um, that makes your moisturizer even more interesting.
2: Exactly. And recovery and protecting basically the cells from that damage. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And you know, I have so I have the products here, and what I love about your packaging is that, um, you know, it's it's really hard sometimes when you see some, like some studies, and and sometimes you don't really see the studies; they just like pull pull you some some numbers and tells you, you know, that eighty percent of people that use the cream felt that their their skin was more hydrated, for example. And what I love is that you're very transparent. About you know the, the study that you conducted, you mentioned the number of days, like how many people participated, when it was done, um, and I think that's so important. Uh, the transparency, I think, is key, especially uh, for brands that uh, are you know uh, natural advocates or sustainable, because it's such a I don't know if you agree with me, but it's it's a label like clean, natural that is not that controlled. So it's really important to be as transparent as possible. And I think that's, that's a great addition that you have on
2: your packages. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's just one thing I want to point out. Um, this is not a user feedback study. This is not a consumer feedback panel. Mm-hmm. This is actually measurements that are done um, under the um, supervision of a dermatologist and a toxicologist in a third-party clinical test lab with actual instrumentation. So this is quantified data. So these are actually measurements on the skin of the volunteers in the clinical trial that are physically measured. So this is not somebody saying, oh, I think my skin feels softer. This is actually taking a little tube with a vacuum and it sucks their skin in. And for example, the amount of skin that you suck into this tube is measured And that tells you how elastic and firm your skin is. So if you think about it, if your skin is very firm, not much of it will basically get sucked in because it's firm, it's holding together. If your skin is not very firm, a lot of it will get sucked in. And so you can actually quantify, for example, skin firmness, skin elasticity. You can measure hydration, the amount of water in the skin surface. You can measure how much um, water is evaporating from the skin surface. And so in that efficacy panel, We also have the type of measurement that is done in the measurement instrument. And that's really, really important to differentiate. Um, Brands are not publishing this. They should be publishing this. Why does this matter? Because this is the only way you can start comparing product performance, right? If it's people's opinions, it's very subjective. And it depends on the country, the age of the group, and you know, and, and a lot of things, other sensory things in the product. Whereas, if you're measuring it, and the person is being measured by a professional technician, it is objective. And so, I just wanted to point that out.
1: No, but I, it's, and you're right, and that's how it should be done, right? That's the only way you should, uh, you should, if you give some stats or if you explain how people felt about the products, it should be done, you know, in the best way possible, so that you have an objective. View
2: on it and not subjective. Exactly. We also do, I mean, we obviously get feedback as part of the study and we do publish the feedback. And to me, a successful trial is when you measure it and people can feel it. So that to me is a really successful trial is when that two sets of data correlate. So we measure that it is physically firmer and the people say, oh, my skin feels firmer. That to me is success. You know, you have the data and you have the sensory. That's super
1: interesting. I think everyone should do that, to have like a clear view you know, of any products or brands and really make, like you said, like that's the point of comparison that you can have actually, because it is like objective data.
2: Exactly. Um, so that's
1: very interesting.
2: I'm hoping the industry moves in that direction
1: completely completely and i think you know that the, the, there's a huge problem of transparency still today and and you know like we see that also v- with our clients like when they come during our consultation and you know they mention, mention stats and i and i say stats it's not real stats you know about certain products they read online etc and like when you really delve into it and and look at the data that the brands are representing often and i say like a lot of time it's based on nothing you know so it's super important to make sure that um, to, to if you see a statement, if you see um, a, a stat or some data about a product to really check how the study was made um, and if it is uh, objective or not, because that's, that's very important to then judge the product.
2: Exactly. Or, you'll, or a lot of companies will say, yeah, but I found this paper and there was a study on this ingredient. And just mm-hmm. like we were talking earlier about vitamin C, the potency of that ingredient oh. depends on the formulation. And how that ingredients act depends on the other ingredients in the formulation. And so to be honest, oftentimes you think you know, but once the cosmetic chemistry is finished, you know, and you have your stability and it doesn't suffer from contamination because the preservation system works and it doesn't disassociate and it has the shelf life and it's compatible with your packaging, ultimately you're tweaking all these things And then you still have to test the final product. So you can't just say, because this study on this pure ingredient did this, in the formulation, it's going to act the same because it could be, you know, interacting with the fatty part of the formulation. It could be staying in the aqueous part. It might not be mixing properly. So you have to look at the final product. So that's why we test the final product. Because it's also misleading when brands say, oh, this, you know, this ingredient did this and this, but it's like a study of just the ingredient, or it's the ingredient in a dish with an in vitro, which is basically in glass, like cell model. It's like, well, that's not an accurate representation of your skin. Like the ultimate result is on a human, on a skin, and with enough people. That's why we also publish the number of people, because a lot of companies will do like eight people. Well, eight people isn't statistically significant, right?
1: No, it's true, and I think that you know, um, it's something that is very common in big brands too. Because they, by the time you know, they 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 think there's a trendy ingredient and how they're gonna use it in a product. Like the the length of making the product is very short, so they try to pick you know the the, the data to make it more relevant, um, and and that's why you know it make it it makes it not subject like it makes it subjective in a way. It doesn't make it like a real. You know what I mean? It's, that not, a it's not real
2: science. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so how long did it take you to uh, launch this line of products?
2: So it took us two years. From the time we started to the time we had all the clinical data and could launch it, it was about two years. And that's typically what it takes. I think our anti-aging line is probably going to take three years because the, the deeper you go in the skin, um, the more difficult. You mean you, the product has to actually penetrate the stratum corneum. That skin barrier is also really good at keeping a lot of products out. So to actually deliver the actives into the epidermis and possibly below the epidermis, you know, takes a lot of um, science and also measuring just to make sure your product is actually going into the skin. So um, it it takes a long time to really do it right. Yeah. And that's
1: the big difference, you know, because big brands that launch a product, often it takes like between six to eight months. So that's why like you see the difference, you know, in terms of like prioritizing the marketing over the quality or the product. Um and that's how it should take, you know. That that's the level of time that you, you take to to launch a product. Exactly. Um, so you know what's
2: really funny about that, Xenia, is that to get stability data to prove your product has a three-year shelf life or longer is six months. So I don't understand how they can do it in six to eight months, unless they're just adding some actives to a platform that they have. Because otherwise, you know, if you have to let it sit there for six months and watch it to make sure it doesn't fall apart on you, then I mean, what, what can you do in two months? Like really, like what kind of, study and clinical studies like our typical 28 or 56 day study. So turnover for cells happens in about three weeks in younger people and six to eight weeks in people kind of around 40 or older. And so you have to wait enough time to see if the product actually has a meaningful effect again. So that's two months right there. There's usually a month for the Trial company to write up the report, check all the data, do all the statistical analysis. Usually, there's like at least a month before when they're preparing, they're recruiting, you know, they're getting people to do washout, you know, to make sure that the products using don't affect the trial. So, when you think about it, it's two months plus a month plus a month. So, it's again four months to do an efficacy study. Then you have what you need to put on your carton. So, only then can you start manufacturing. So, the way I see it is, I don't see how it can happen in like under a year. Um and typically if you you know have to do a couple iterations to optimize things, it's two years. Completely. That's super interesting. And so my question is because
1: this line, the and anti or antu, how do you how do you pronounce it? Antu
2: was the god of the sun and of wisdom for the Mapuche people and they believed he formed he was the creator of the andes mountains and so he basically created their land he created their rainforest, and he was the most they they call their spirits the pilan and so he was the most powerful pilan um of their mythology
1: okay super interesting i love knowing you know the names behind the the ranges or the brands um and you know it's very different from the superfood for example which is in terms of packaging and you know in terms of like i don't know just the product itself. Is there like, what did you on purpose like change a little bit the the packaging? Uh, What was the idea behind?
2: Yeah, so basically um, every collection will have a different color. And so the Bia collection is green because it calls to mind the green hills, the beautiful lush vegetation in Ireland. Um, That is the source of the inspiration um, behind Bia. And Bia actually means food in Gaelic which was the language of the ancient Celtic tribes of Ireland because Bia is based on the long history um, since like the 1400s in Ireland um, where they've had herbal medicine. So again, the ethnobotany there is incredibly rich. And they've been harvesting wild herbs for medical purposes. It was part of their everyday life. And this whole thing of cures, you know, has been passed down through generations. And so, um, and it wasn't even documented by Roman historians, believe it or not. So those bioactives um, were focused on hydration, soothing, and karyolytic, which basically means getting rid of the dead skin cells that can prevent you from being hydrated. And so the BIA collection is focused on hydration, Re- retention of that moisture and also cleansing without stripping the moisture while supporting the microbiome. Like all of our lines are microbiome friendly. And so the onto collection is focused on the exposome and infl- skin inflammation and reducing that inflammation and reducing that reactive oxidative stress versus the BIA collection is hydration, hydration, hydration. So it's for younger. You know, um, when you're younger, the only thing you really need is to cleanse and not over cleanse, but just keep clean skin and keep it hydrated. As you get older and you have more of that exposure to pollution, to UV, to stressors, maybe your diet isn't that great. Maybe you don't get enough sleep. You build up reactive oxidative stress. So the onto collection is like the next step as you get older, prevent aging. Cause our goal ultimately anti-aging is incredibly difficult to do. So the best thing is to prevent aging. <laughs>
1: But so this is for everything, for every skincare products, for every ingredients. It's easier to prevent than to then you know treat aging signs. So that's that's the the whole key is to yeah prevent as much as possible. You know any signs of premature aging, uh, or protect your skin as much as you want as you can uh, to ensure you know it ages gracefully and and normally. Um, yeah. So that's and yeah, to minimize. Uh, okay, I agree with that. It to told- minimize.
2: Yes. Yes. Less for is more. Sure. Exactly. People don't um, realize how the little they actually need, which, which is, you know, I shouldn't be saying that because most brands are trying to sell more skincare, but we truly believe, you know, going back to that sustainability, we believe that, you know, the less you use and the less you consume, you're making less waste, right? And the smaller your personal carbon footprint. So if we can make very potent products that are clinically proven, and you don't need that much of the product and you don't need very many products, then you're not generating that garbage.
1: Completely. And you know, that's why also we created our service, Leon, the, the skin consultation. It's mainly because for me, my biggest frustration, for example, was that I was buying so many products and I would not use them at the end or I, or I would, you know, uh, beam them or give it to other people, etc. And you realize how much waste you have and also by learning more about the skin, how it works, etc., cetera, so with the different courses with Megan, you also understand that, like you said, your skin doesn't, doesn't need that much. Like you just need a certain level of protection during the day, a little bit of nourishment and stimulation, and that's it. And most of the time when we do consultation with clients, they have like, you know, and that's why Korean beauty, for example, I don't understand. <laughs> that's something I will never understand. But we have clients that, you know, use so many products in their morning regime in their evening regime. And for us, it's all about streamlining and really going back to the basics and be like, okay, that, that's what you need, you know, for your morning regime. That's what you need for your evening regime. And maybe time to time during the week, use this product or that product. And sometimes, you know, people are very surprised. They're like, oh, but like I don't understand, you know, I, I only have three products or four products in my morning or evening skincare regime. But that's exactly what you need. Like that's the basics. And and that's how you're going to help not only your skin to work at its best, but also how you're going to help the, the environment too. Because we tend to overbuy, you know, things.
2: Exactly. And I think it's wonderful you have that service because as you said, I don't think people realize that they just need some gentle exfoliation and cleansing a little bit of hydration. And as you said, to keep them protected through the day and their SPF that we talked about. And then you can, you know, depending then on the person, you can say, okay, do you really need that toner? You know, do you need the cell turnover? Do you really need that antioxidant serum? Or if you have really dry skin, do you really need an oil to lock in the moisture? But then you can tailor it. And again, you can minimize it. And I don't know, I never have the time. So I don't know how people do these (laughs) separate things, you know? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes yes too. i don't understand but yeah it's true it's just about and i think once you know how your skin is working or have like a really a little bit of understanding you know what's how it's working what it needs etc you then realize also you know for education knowledge that actually like maybe one product that you've been using for the past year is not doing anything to your skin basically so it's yeah, so it's like an empowerment too, because then you get to know more your skin, and then you get to know more like what's gonna work, what's not gonna work. So it's so interesting, and and I think streamlining is such a like for me that's the the that the core of what we do basically. But it's also something that uh, sustainability. Uh, speaking about sustainability, this is something I think that if everyone realizes that, we will have so much less waste, you know, and so much less like I don't know products also, because there's so many products out there.
2: Yeah, because if you think about it, those 120 billion packaging containers you mentioned at the beginning, if we could cut that down to half because we're now more efficient, the products are better, that's already a huge savings, both on ocean plastic and to slow down climate change. So, I mean, any kind of impact on just the number of new things going out by reducing it and, of course, recycling what we have. And, and not relying on fossil fuel-based plastic, virgin plastic. So either going to recycled PCR plastic or renewable source plastic, which can then be recycled. So you can create a circular economy around it.
1: Yeah. And speaking about that, you have very specific goals by 2025. And I think it would be amazing
2: know? to hear more about it. And I'm um, hoping we can beat them, but um, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'll say that yeah, but yeah. So so our green, so all of our tubes are made from sugarcane-based green polyethylene, and that was the first step that we took um, because um, these tubes essentially are now almost negative carbon footprint. And so what's great about these tubes is that the polyethylene that's produced is identical to the polyethylene produced from sugar uh, from fossil fuels, but because they're made from sugarcane, the plant takes carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and that reduces greenhouse gas emissions. Um, The performance is the same. The properties are the same. The versatility is identical to the fossil fuel-based options. But they're also recyclable through the same recycling chain as traditional polyethylene. And come September, I'm super excited. um, Our manufacturer is coming out with monomaterial tubes. And so when, um, when you think about any kind of pump most pumps have a little metal spring in them. Well, that doesn't make them recyclable. And that's an important factor because then all these pump heads, whether it's from your foaming bottle or your pump from your glass bottle or your pump from your airless bottle, you can't recycle that. So once they're monomaterial, it means they're made of 100% polyethylene, so they can go into the recycling cycle. So that will mean that our pumps will be 100% recyclable, our tubes will be 100% recyclable, so our packaging you will just be able to put it into the recycling bin, and that polyethylene will be recycled. Um, In addition, you have the nice side benefit that these monomaterial pumps deliver a precise dose of product, and so the reason I like that is that way you can figure out, do I need one pump, two pumps, three pumps? And then you're not wasting product again. You know, you're not like reaching with your finger into a jar. And it's very sanitary because the product only goes out one way. And so because they're airless, you don't get the contamination. Um, They're carbon footprint standard assessed. Um, which is an internationally recognized certification for carbon credentials. So that has been our first step. Then we're also looking at all of our transportation, all of our logistics um, and managing those and minimizing those. So again, people don't realize how, much, how many goods are often shipped by air, which is incredibly costly in fossil fuel and carbon footprint. And so boat and truck are ideal, but you need to plan better and it can take a lot longer. And also, as I mentioned, sourcing more and more ingredients with biotech. Um, And all of those, when we add those together, we're going to actually start a calculator this summer to start calculating our total carbon footprint. And then we're going to start reporting on that. And then people will actually be able to see how we're doing. And they'll be able to call us. And so, you know, if we make mistakes or don't do things well, people will be able to see, you know, okay, we made a mistake. This was not good. You know, maybe we planned badly. We had to fly something. So, oops, now we have to make up for it. And then obviously, we'll be doing initiatives like um, biodiversity and tree planting to offset our carbon footprint. But I'm hoping we can do it sooner than 2025.
1: I think it's amazing. And I think like the work you have behind it, it's incredible. Um, and I love the fact that you want to be transparent as much as possible with everyone around, you know, and, and really show how you, you're going to reach that goal, because you know, it's, it's easy to set up a goal and then to, to show how like the different steps you did to, to get to that. But it's also important to know like what pushed you back or why you didn't, you know, I don't know, had the number that you were, that you were expecting to, because that's how we all going to also learn, you know, how to make better also in the future. So I think that's so important. So it's amazing exactly. that you have this uh, this goal. And, and
2: I actually hope that you know, if other brands are looking, they won't make the same mistakes. And because if all of us start doing things and reporting, you know, giving ourselves a report card out there, um, it's great for healthy competition. But it's competition mm-hmm. that achieves a common goal. You know what I mean? And so, if we can also help help others and educate others on how to get there faster, I am all for that. You know, if somebody beats me to the to the negative carbon footprint awesome you know i'm happy because our overall planet is benefiting
1: Mm -hmm. it's it's again it's like you know sustainability it's all about working all together uh brands with consumers etc and i think that's how we're gonna get uh you know to to reach any goals in life even with sustainability like with your goal or any other goals like that's how you do it like you just have to work all together uh, with the same purpose um and i have a last question so is there any further ways consumers can be more sustainable in their approach to skincare and routine? So we discuss about, you know, picking the right packaging, uh, supporting the right brand, uh, making sure. So me, like, once when you talked about the recycle, I checked on the packaging, and now I'm gonna check every time every single going that the, the product is recyclable. Is there any other things that you would you would you know recommend to consumers? Because I, th- I think you're such an advocate in the space. So it'd be amazing to hear a little bit your like golden rules. You know, when picking a product or when thinking of, about, uh, you know, just building their skincare routine.
2: Absolutely. So we already talked about the less is more, and I think that is probably like the number one thing you can do is not consume as much. And then also, once you do buyable, there are clear glasses. Um, that may not necessarily be recyclable. There are colored glasses that may not be recyclable. But on the other hand, polyethylene plastics may be recycled more often than people expect. So just always, I would say, check. Check with your local um, landfill um, and find out or you know, your local recycling program. Use everything up. Um, if you can recycle the container and use it for something else, repurpose it. That's great. Um, but try to recycle it. Try to recycle it. And then the other thing I would say, and most people don't realize this, but consolidate your buying. I know right now with COVID, we're having a lot of things delivered, but think of that as carbon footprint that every time, like if you have one thing delivered in one box and you have five different things delivered in five boxes, that delivery costs carbon footprint because there's a vehicle somewhere that is using a fossil fuel to deliver it. And so try to consolidate your purchasing. You know, be smart again. Like if I'm going to need some stuff, plan ahead and buy everything at the same time, so there's only one shipment.
1: I completely agree with you. And actually, you know, when we do, um, when we design shopping lists for our clients, we do recommend them products from different retailers. You know, to make it very unbiased. And of course, you know, like we uh, we are not tied to any brand, so everything we recommend is really based on the person's needs, uh, the person preferences, etc. But it's true that I think us we need to do a better job. Uh, at consolidating, maybe, you know, recommending more products from r- one retailer to ensure that, you know, we are also kind of supporting in this way to limit the the,
2: the footprint too. Right. Or if your client is going shopping, you know, ride a bicycle, walk, mm-hmm. you know, public transportation, you know, you can go to three different stores, um, but you're walking. So you're not, again, driving around and causing carbon footprint.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think us, um, like we talked, about like we already talked about it, but it's all about streamlining your skincare regime and trying to figure out what's essential. And I think one thing that is key too is that, um, you know, we are so used to have uh, everything instantly. And also we're so used to see results straight away. And I think with skincare, you need to learn how to be patient because you have to allow some time for your skin to get used to the product. So it's not because You don't see the effects after two weeks that you need to toss your product and buy a new one. And I think that's so important uh, to make sure that you really utilize the full product and just to ensure, you know, that's also in terms of efficiency and in terms of environment too, like that's how uh,
2: you're going to make, you're going to be more sustainable in a way too. Exactly. And I think you just raised a really good point that people want that instant Instagrammable result and usually achieved by stripping things. And that's not healthy, and the more you do it, the more you irritate your skin and people have to realize that skin turnover you know that's kind of the period in which you turn over the outermost layer it's you know when you're young, teenagers, it's three weeks when you're older, it's six to eight weeks, as you said, it takes time
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we need to allow time, and I think we we're not used to that, <laughs> but
1: we have to. That's how you see the product is working. Great. Well, Barbara, it was so interesting. I learned so much today. I'm so happy. And thank you so much for participating to our podcast. And um, I would love for our listeners to learn more about your brand, about Codex, uh, making sure you know, to check your website and also follow you on Instagram. Um, I think you do amazing content. And I'm sure if anyone has you know any question about sustainability or just your product in general, they can contact you there.
2: That sounds fantastic. So exactly. So www.codexbeauty.com. And we also love getting questions. So, you know, check out our customer support and feel free to ask us any question you want. So thank you for this opportunity, Ksenia. It was a great discussion.
1: Yes, it was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And don't hesitate to contact us if you have any question. You can reach us on DM on
0: leon.ldn or email us at hello at leonldn.co.uk. Don't forget to check out our website for more info on our virtual consultations and for bookings. It's time your skincare earned its place on your bathroom shelf.